This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. Broadcast is pleased to be part of the Northern Gospel Project, which is an initiative in Manchester and the north of England to train church planters, to care for church planters and to fund church planters. And we're looking to see lots of new churches planted into some of the uh, less reached areas of Manchester and surrounding towns and then with a vision to grow beyond it. And we launched early last year with a launch conference in November. And on this pod, we're bringing you a few of the talks from that. And this is the final session that you're getting today. And this was Ralph Cunnington teaching on Start With Why. So I hope you enjoy this message. 13 years ago now, um, Simon Sinek uh, delivered a TED Talk that went down probably as the, the most significant TED Talk ever given. Certainly the most popular, the most re-watched. He, he called his TED talk, Start With Why? And the TED talk, it sought to answer the question of why, why some people, some companies, some organizations, some ideas inspire people, while other people, organizations and ideas don't. So, so why... Why has Apple managed to sell millions upon millions of MP3 players and phones while Dell computers never made it out of the computer market? Why did a quarter of a million people turn up to see Martin Luther King deliver his I Have a Dream speech from the Lincoln Memorial while so many other civil rights speakers could barely get more than a handful at the same time? Well, Simon Sinek's thesis was really, really simple. He called it the the golden circle. And here it is. It should be up here. There are three circles. And the outside circle is what we do. So, So Apple's what we do is we make computers and phones. The second circle is how we do it. So they are beautifully designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. You want to buy one? The problem is, we tend to start on the outside circle. And the outside circle engages our minds, but it never moves to our desires. It, It never inspires us. We need to start on the inner circle, Simon Sinek says. We need to start with why. Why do we exist? Why are we doing this? What do we believe in? Why? 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 And you know, that is what Apple did so, so well. Apple had a clear why. It was this. Their why was everything we do... We believe in challenging the status quo. We believe in thinking differently. That is why people bought their beautifully designed computers. Then 
That's why they bought their MP3 players. And then that's why they bought their boats. That is how Martin Luther King started. He, he wanted a campaign for civil rights, yes. But when he climbed up on Lincoln Memorial, he didn't start with a speech, I have a plan. No, it was, I have a dream. Today we've been hearing lots about what the Northern Gospel Project wants to do. We want to plant churches. We, we want to care for church planters. We want to care for, for the members of church plant teams. We want to fund church planting here in Greater Manchester and throughout our region. We've spoken a lot about the how, how we're going to do it. We've got broadcast church planting. We've got the City to City Incubator. We've got planters collectives, gospel coaching. We've got church planter hives. We've got training days. We've got conferences like this. And that is all interesting. I hope you found today really interesting. I hope it piques your interest. But I doubt, I doubt it has really moved you. I doubt it has reached down and grabbed your heart and made you think other things, they can come and go, but I need, I need to be involved in this. So just before we close the day, I want to finish, not, not start, Simon Sinek would hate me, I want to finish with why. Why the Northern Gospel Project? And for that, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 18. I'm going to read Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 1 through to verse 11. It says this, after this... Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler and his entire household, believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Let me pray as we turn to that passage. Heavenly Father, you, you are with us. 
you speak to us today. You fill not just our minds with true things. You take our hearts and by the Holy Spirit, you move us into action. You motivate our change of desires. You lead us into your paths. And we pray, Lord, would we follow where you are taking us? Amen. Well, in Acts chapter 18, the Apostle Paul, he's just left the city of Athens. And there in Athens, he was witnessing. So he was witnessing in the synagogue, the kind of religious center. He was witnessing in the marketplace, the sort of secular center of the city. And then he's given the opportunity to give his famous speech from the Areopagus. But he moved on from Athens and he heads to this city, the city of Corinth. Now, now, Corinth, it was a large and influential city. By this time, it had become the capital of Greece under Roman rule. Corinth had a rich history, just like Manchester. Corinth was, was world famous for its sports, just like Manchester. It was a financial hub in the Roman Empire just like Manchester. It had rich cultural diversity, just like Manchester. And it was a hotbed for immorality, just like Manchester. Corinth was a hub. What happened in Corinth, it echoed throughout the known world. That is why Paul headed straight there from Athens. Yes, Athens had the history. Athens was elite and educated, but it wasn't that significant anymore. But Paul wanted to go to the place of significance, the place where if you moved there, it moved around the world. The real hub. But Paul knew that if the gospel went there to Corinth, if churches got planted there in the hub city, then the whole region would be impacted with the good news of Jesus. There will be a real movement of the Spirit as the gospel goes out. And we see that that is exactly what happened. Uh, Paul went first to the synagogue, verse 4. He was trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks there that Jesus was the Messiah. But then verse 6, the Jews, they opposed him. So, so he went next door to the home of a Gentile convert called Titius Justus. And there, something incredible happened. As Paul preached, people got saved. Not just the Gentile friends of Justus, but Jews too. Including, did you see it? Including... Crispus, verse 8, the synagogue leader, the leader of the very synagogue that had chased out Paul, got saved. I mean, that's what happens when the gospel gets preached boldly. That is what happens when the Holy Spirit moves. That is what happens when we, followers of Jesus Christ, when we step out in faith. But you know, those salvations, they always, always go hand in hand 
with opposition. Listen, if we are successful in what we are seeking to do with the Northern Gospel Project, if we see 30 churches get planted by 2030 in Greater Manchester, if we are successful in looking after church planters and looking after their teams, if we see people getting saved, not simply in their tens, but in their hundreds and their thousands, then Satan is going to strike back. The, the parts of this city that are deeply antagonistic to the gospel, they are not going to sit back in the sidelines and just watch us and then they do well. No, just like Paul, we will face intense opposition. And just like Paul, we need something of the encouragement that he received in the vision recorded for us in verses 9 to 11 of Acts chapter 18. The Lord appeared to him at night and he spoke two sentences. Two sentences that gave Paul the why of him being in Corinth. Two sentences that give us the why today of the Northern Gospel Project. First up, God is with us. That's verse 10. We do believe that, don't we? Lots and lots of planning has gone into today. Antonia has done pretty much all of it. She has been absolutely incredible as our project manager. Uh, Tim and I, I mean, we've been meeting up and chatting for years and years. I'd like to think we've done a lot. The website development that Tom O'Toole has done with Tessa has been incredible. Everyone has pulled together to make this happen. But if that is all that it is, then this thing has no legs. It has no future. But if the one who spoke the stars into being is with us, if the one who breathes life into dead bones is with us, if the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome her, if he is with us, then we have nothing to fear. Our success is guaranteed. You know, we, we have ambitious targets at the Northern Gospel Project. I still remember when I first came to Manchester, I met up with with as many of the church pastors in the city as I possibly could, I met up with Tim. Uh, I, this wasn't Tim, but I met up with another church pastor, same denomination as me. And he looked at me and he said, Ralph, Manchester is the place that church plants come to die. Hardly the most encouraging thing I was told. But, but historically, what he said was true. Look, looking to collaborate in planting 30 churches by 2030, that is laughable, laughable in a city like Manchester with where we're at culturally. Unless, unless the one who brings life to the dead, unless the one who calls things that are not to be, unless he is with us. And he is. Why are we setting out on such a bold project? Why are we not afraid of the opposition we're bound to face? Why are we determined to keep on sharing the gospel no matter the opposition? 
Why are we determined to keep on planting churches no matter the economic downturn? Keep on sending out workers no matter what the cost is to us personally, relationally, and emotionally. Why are we committed to doing that? Because God is with us. That's the first why of the Northern Gospel Project. John Patton was a missionary uh, to the New Hebrides. They're, they're islands in the South Pacific now known as Vanuatu. And the islands were famous throughout the world, famous because they were filled with cannibals and famous because they were known to be incredibly, incredibly hostile to outsiders. On arrival at the islands, John Patton's wife and child died within a matter of days. For the next four years, John Patton was repeatedly threatened, confronted and beaten up. In his autobiography, he he wrote what happened at one of the confrontations, and he said this. He said, my heart rose up to the Lord Jesus. I saw him watching all the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. I realized that I was immortal till my master's work with me was done. The assurance came to me as if a voice out of heaven had spoken that not a musket would be fired to wound us. Not a club prevailed to strike us. Not a spear leave the hand in which it was held, vibrating to be thrown. Not an arrow leave the bow or a cling stone the fingers without the permission of Jesus Christ. Why are we ambitious about the Northern Gospel projects? Because we believe that God is with us and his plans will not fail. Secondly, our second why, because we can do more together. Did you notice all the friends and partners that Paul had in his time in Corinth in Acts chapter 18? Uh, He he left behind his traveling companions, Silas and Timothy, in Athens. Uh, They'd been like his kind of inner circle, his inner leadership team. They, They were the kind of church planting ninjas that he wanted to do everything with. But on his arrival in Corinth, Paul discovered that God had provided new friends for him, Priscilla and Aquila, then Titius Justus and then Crispus. Now, we heard about Priscilla and Aquila this morning from Femi. Uh, We're told in verse 2 that they'd come from Rome. And, And so their church culture, their church background was very different to Paul's. They were from another tribe. The same with Titius Justus. He was a Gentile convert. He and Paul had about as much in common as, as Andy Burnham has in common with Liz Truss. But they shared a common calling with Paul. Their unrelenting commitment to reach the city of Corinth with the good news of Jesus. And so they worked together they realized that they could do more together than they could do on their own. You know, when Tim and I started chatting many years ago, we we realized that in personality and character, we are very, very different people. And as we shared about our churches, we realized that the City Church and CCM, they are very different churches. We're from different tribes. But we have the same gospel heart. 
but we have the same reflex, the same instinct to do whatever we can, whatever we can, to reach the lost of Manchester for Jesus Christ. To see gospel churches planted throughout our city and region using whatever means we can possibly find to see that happen. That is why, that is why we are committed to working together. And would you notice, Priscilla and Aquila, they were not full-time evangelists. They, they weren't paid Christian workers like Paul, or like I am, or like Timmons. No, they were just ordinary Christians, but people who made tents. But they knew that mission and church planting is not just for some Christians, it is for every Christian. One of the beauties of the Northern Gospel Project is that it is not just a collaboration between Christian leaders in our city and region. No, it's a collaboration between church members too. We are in this together. Together we really can do more. And you know, it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter whether you came here today really fired up for the vision of the Northern Gospel Project or whether you were just dragged along today by a friend and you felt obliged to come. In fact, it it doesn't matter if you came to Manchester for an entirely different reason than leaving a lasting gospel legacy. Because, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, they never intended to end up in Corinth. They didn't go there to be missionaries. No, they went to Corinth because they were chased out of their home city of Rome by Emperor Claudius, verse 2. But they made the most of the opportunity afforded to them to be witnesses in a gospel-starved city. They became partners with Paul because partnership is good across tribes, across backgrounds, we can do more together than we can do on our own. So that's the second why, the Northern Gospel Project, because we can do more together. Finally, the third why, because God has many people in this city. You know, the population of Greater Manchester is just over 2.8 million, and it's rising quick. Uh, The most recent research suggests that that less than 4% of the population attended church. That's any sort of church, Catholic, Protestant, liberal, anything. But when you get down to the percentage of the population that attends a gospel church, one that that teaches the Bible and actually believes it, you're speaking about less than 1%. That means that there are two and a half million people in this city who are not hearing the gospel right now. That means that there are two and a half million people in this city who are hurtling headlong towards an eternity of judgment and they don't even know it. That means that there are two and a half million people in this city who will be permanently, permanently shut out of the city of God, the the new Jerusalem spoken about at the end of the Bible. What are we going to do about it? If you're a Christian here today, you know what I've just said to be true. 
cash, or we, we try not to think about it. When we're walking down Market Street and we see the hundreds of thousands of people, we try to block out of our mind eternal things, but we know it's true. And the fact that we don't think about it does not mean that it's not true. And just like our Savior, we need to be moved. We need to be moved in the deepest recesses of our hearts with compassion for the two and a half million lost in Manchester. But we also need to be filled with hope. Why? Because down through the centuries, as believers in cities have come together to pray and to plead with God, the Holy Spirit has again and again come and brought in his people. Between the years of 1857 and 1858, over one million Americans were converted in and around the city of New York. I mean, that's staggering, isn't it? Over a million people in less than two years converted. Do you know how it all began? with a series of lunchtime prayer meetings at a church in Fulton Street in New York. At first, it was just a handful of believers, less than we have here, meeting together. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. Because God works through the prayers of his people. And we know that the gospel is powerful to impact the city, don't we? We know that God can, indeed we know that God will bring in every single one of his people in this city, verse 10. We know it because Jesus left the city. In the Bible, the city carried carried real meaning. The city was a place of, of protection and a place of refuge. Yet on that first Good Friday, the Lord Jesus was led out of the city. A wooden beam was lashed to his back as he went through the city streets, went outside the city gates, and then was lifted up on that wooden beam, taking the sin, taking the punishment for all of his people that are here right now in the city of Manchester. And you know why he did it? So that when Jesus returns, we can enter his beautiful city, the new Jerusalem, a place of eternal security, eternal joy, intimacy and delight, a place where there'll be no more suffering, there there will be no more pain, there'll be no more sickness, no more sadness, a city where we will be all together and we will be praising God like we have never ever praised him before. Friends, that is why the Northern Gospel Project is happening. That is why I am all in with this thing. And I want to ask you, will you be all in too? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you left the city. You left the protection and the refuge of the city. So that you might go outside so that you might be spurned, you might be rejected, you might be punished in our place, so that through your weakness, true power might be shown, through your suffering, true joy might be had. 
through you experiencing injustice and lack of mercy, we might be justified and experience the riches of your grace and mercy for us. Oh Lord, would that motivate our hearts? Would that change our hearts? Would we know that you are with us? Would we know that we can do more together than we can do on our own? And would we believe, would we truly believe that you have many people in this city and you will, you will bring them?